When I started telling people I was going to do a wrestling podcast with non-wrestling fans, approximately 10,000 people told me that they or their friends would be a great fit because they had just finished watching Glow on Netflix and now had a brand new appreciation of what goes into running a wrestling show. I've been under a lot of pressure to do a Glow episode, gang, but here's the thing. The real Glow was kind of bad on purpose, and while it's fun as hell to watch, there wouldn't be much room for your friendly neighborhood podcast host to do his trademark analyzing. Instead, I've chosen to do a modern women's wrestling match, but one that employs a wide variety of larger-than-life, Glow-quality characters. The difference is that these four women are presented not only as cartoons, but also as incredible athletes and very serious competitors. Find out what happens when a Scottish anarchist, a scary kabuki lady, and a pair of egomaniacal Australian best friends enter the ring, and only one can leave the winner. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's Asuka, Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay, modern ladies of wrestling. Her testing component. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red oh, leather, no, yellow cow. leather, red leather, yellow leather. Oh no, brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, people are always looking like, oh, the Lost Beatles tracks. Yes. Somebody's going to find one and it's just going to be that and they're going to be like, ah, fuck. There are a number of them where it is just like I that. know. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you understand this. I have a box of 50 Beatles bootleg CDs in my attic that are just variants on recording. There's one that starts uh, Paul breaking a glass and then John goes, Paul's broken a glass, broken a glass, Paul's broken a glass, Paul's broken a glass today. <laughs> and then they just start the song. Hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. So yes, your theory is correct. I'm proud of you. Good morning. Good morning. This is just a fair warning. Fair listeners, we've woken up approximately five minutes in the future. I mean that to say that we woke up a very short time ago, not to say that we've been in a very sort of low stakes Buck Rogers situation. <laughs> we've been, I woke up at about seven minutes ago. I'm still trying to have a voice. I am also, fair listeners, suffering from some what I call Linda Ellerbees, a.k.a. allergies. It's Tara's unique brand of Cockney. <laughs> oh, you like that one? Yeah. yeah? Okay. So I guess, I guess what you're saying is if the listeners notice any strangeness in your voice, it should be no Nick News to them. Okay, I'm taking over the podcast. Hi. <laughs> this is now Tara's Broadway Corner. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Gavin Creel. <laughs> we're also going to discuss how Gavin Lee needs to be Hades in the Delacorte production of Hercules coming to Central Park this summer. I will die on this hill. Thank you for coming to my Tara talk. Okay, you can resume your podcast now, but know that mine is better. 
<laughs> so is this based on Disney's Hercules? Oh yeah, they're doing like Zero to Hero in Central Park. Just like that? Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited for this, but it's very important to me that Gavin Lee, who played Squidward in the SpongeBob musical, who was the best part of the SpongeBob musical, who was just excellent, plays Hades. He has the same neuroticism required for the role. I don't like James Woods. I don't want James Woods to be a part of this production. Mm -hmm. James Woods is weird. He's predatory. I don't like him. And I think Gavin Lee would be perfect for this. And who are you casting in the Daniel DeVito role? Daniel DeVito. Okay. <laughs> That's... Who else are you... Go are you? Do you have another four foot ten gentleman in question? Like, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to be four foot ten. You just have to have... No, he, he has to be four foot ten. He just he has to have pan. goat legs. I, for one, am tired. Yes, dear. <laughs> All of these human actors yes. putting on goat face to play satyrs. It's <laughs> very funny. So, goat representation is important. Let's get a real goat. I would love that very much. In this... I would love that very <laughs> in much. In this summer stock production. That would be great. And then you just make the goat do tricks. That rules. Right. Okay, They'd yeah, like, I'm gonna write a letter Phil, to the Delacorte. Phil, do you have an opinion? And he's just gonna, like, hop up on a lawn chair and be like, Nah! And, like, poop. Pellets. No. <laughs> we so we met goats yesterday. We did. We met three goats. And it turns out they dispense poop like pellets from a vending machine. Yeah, it was I there it seems like no efforts made. It seems like they just like drop out. Right. And I I actually admire that kind of presence in the moment. Messless deposits. Yeah. Well I was just gonna say, you know, food flows in and flows out. It's effortless. Like yeah. a membrane. I wouldn't want that for myself. Just a hairy little membrane. I wouldn't want that for myself because it doesn't seem like they're in control. Maybe they are in control. We're just not reading their goaty minds. Perhaps goats understand that control is but an illusion. <laughs> silly. And isn't that what Disney's Hercules was really all about? <laughs> this is very silly. Yes, indeed. I would like to. No. I would like. I don't know what you just tried there. I would like Julie Andrews to play the Hydra in this production of Hercules after her award-winning turn as the Kraken in Aquaman. Did you guys know that Julie Andrews is an Aquaman and she's the goddamn Kraken? It was the greatest moment <laughs> of my whole ass, 27 ass, several months change ass years of life. I'm like, oh bitch, is that Julie goddamn Andrews? Is that the Dowager Princess of Genovia? It was. It was for your information. I was so excited. I saw Aquaman with Matt and I'm like, wait, she's coming. She's coming. She's here. And she ruled. I could just talk about this the entire, the entire episode. Just Julie Andrews as the freaking Kraken. You like, you want to talk about wrestling and I'm like, that's fine, I guess. Like whatever, like it's fine. But Julie Andrews is the Kraken deserves an eight episode deep dive. They do live very deeply in the ocean. My hate for you is as deep <laughs> as the Mariana Trench. <laughs> do you want to start talking about your wrestling stuff so then I could get back to my Broadway later? Do you think Mariana Trench, the first lady of Broadway, would be a good fit for the role of Megara? I 
would prefer to perhaps have Philippa Sue or Renee Elise Goldsberry for the role of Meg. Hmm. Hercules, I don't really care about. Although, if you want to put Norm Lewis in there, like just for, you know, just for snackitude, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm just going to get arrested for a Paul Rubens sitch, but you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> whatever. Who's Paul Rubens sitch? I don't know a lot of these these Broadway figures. <laughs> oh, who's on first? Um, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of baseball. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me, tell me why I got up at eight fucking a.m. on my vacation. Tell me. Well, I'm exhausted. Well. The long and short of this, and you're the short of it, is... I was going to do that. Uh, let me... I'll set it up again. You knock it out of the park. <laughs> the long and short of this... And you're the long of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the little of it. Yeah. The, nobody says the long and little of it. I do. Okay. <laughs> That's what, because of your allergies when you laugh, it sounds like your nose is farting a little bit. It was my nose. (laughs) (laughs) It was really my nose. So. My butt nose. (laughs) Your butt nose? My butt nose. What are its secrets? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. 11 minutes. So we watched the homework last night, or we watched it this morning. I don't know. Time is a flat circle. I'm Matthew McConaughey. Welcome to Time is a Flat Circle, the Circle Cast. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Are you Woody Harrelson? No, I'm not. Can you be? No, no. Can you, can you be for me? No. I would like you to be Woody Harrelson for me. We're getting into a very weird area here. I'm going to put a little, little hemp, I'm going to put a little hemp vest on you and just go down. <laughs> <laughs> I love Woody Harrelson so much. I've loved him since Cheers. He's an incredibly sexy man. We're just going to add this to the pantheon of your inexplicable <laughs> <laughs> television crushes. I have crushes. a diverse portfolio of crushes. A diverse Thank portfolio so of inexplicable much. crushes. Thank you so much. Okay, but Bruce Campbell is not inexplicable. No. I, I, I suppose I would not argue Okay, so that. Matt and I have been watching The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which is a really fun early 90s show that Bruce Campbell was on, uh, as well as Kelly Rutherford for any Gossip Girl fans out here. I feel like maybe LaToya might mm-hmm. have enjoyed Gossip Girl. Anyway. And, and Christian Clemenson for any Christian Clemenson fans who might be out there. All five. You listening, Chris? Um, so, I think he goes by Chin, actually. The Topher Gray situation. I, I, I can't tell you how much I hate that. Uh, so anyway, oh, Bruce hold on, Campbell. Hold on, hold on. No. Julius J. Carey the third. Yeah, well, they for any it. they for any fans of Barry Gordy's oh, The Last Dragon. Yeah, okay. That's or true. Boy Meets World. He was the he was the gym coach. Oh my god! You didn't tell me that. I love Boy Meets World. Apparently not enough to remember. Why would I remember one person? <laughs> this is your problem. You're always like. 
you don't know who Eugene Paulette is? And I'm like, no, I didn't know who Friar Tuck was in the Errol Flynn movies. Um, so anyway, Bruce Campbell, for all the <laughs> ladies and uh, men leaning fellas out there, Bruce Campbell wears a cowboy outfit for the duration of this 27-episode series. He does play a cowboy, so it's okay. And it's, like, real good. <laughs> it Like, Matt started showing me this, and I'm like, oh, like, I always thought Bruce Campbell was like kind of hot i watch this and i'm like excuse me like i need matt to leave the room i need some time alone also your mom listens i can't i can't believe i'm saying this your mom listens to this um anyway we call that the jinx factor the jinx factor hi jinx bruce campbell is so hot and matt i think Maybe a little jealous, but, like, not that jealous. Because, like, have you seen Bruce Campbell? Like, mid-90s, early-90s Bruce Campbell? Oh, that shit's fucking right and tight, man. <laughs> right and tight. <sighs> Welcome to I Hate Wrestling. <laughs> to tell me about this match, please. So, <laughs> so, here's the secret origin. So, when I first started a pro wrestling podcast low yes. these many years ago yes. and i decided that it was going to be a rotating guest affair where Can we have an affair with um what's the little slut's name <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yet another fraser reference you're, you're entirely welcome this is gonna be your recurring bit mm. so a recurring bit from the recurring bitch. <laughs> it me. You save that for your wrestling character at the end. Oh, I have to think of one while we're recording. This. You certainly don't. Not after that. <laughs> also, you might consider Mariana Trench. I might, but I might not. Which would also be a pretty good drag name, by the way. So it's probably someone's. Maybe like a like a Filipino drag queen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wrestling. Your catchphrase could be "How deep does it go?" Oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start doing drag? I don't think I'd be necessarily great at it. I think you might be. You're camp. You could be like a camp queen. Anyway, so talk to me. When I first started doing this, and I decided I was going to do it with a recurring guest model, and I reached out to a lot of the people that I knew that I thought might be interested in being on the show, and the response that I got more than any other was. You should do a glow episode because yeah. I love glow. Yes. Because despite WWE's ongoing efforts to penetrate mainstream popularity, they have failed spectacularly for the past, oh, 20 years. And I would say the pro wrestling product that has had the most mainstream success in the last... 20 years is probably the Netflix original series Glow. Everyone loves that shit. I loved it. Betty Gilpin could step on my face. <laughs> I figured I'd just give you a few minutes of silence there. Radio silence to think about what you've done. I don't appreciate it. It's, it's still true. After the few months of radio silence, I'm like, Betty Gilpin could still step on my face. She's an actor of truly incredible talent mm -hmm. and she is beautiful. Mm. And that's it. That's all I have to say on the matter. Okay, fair enough. That's it. Betty Gilpin is not in this episode. I wish she was. 
I just, wish she what well, I wish Betty Gilpin was here. I have a lot of questions to ask her about she, her work and her craft. I, I meant she's not in this match that we're about to watch. And you and, I would still prefer that she be here. And you were like, oh, what's this? A knock on the door of this Pittsburgh area Airbnb? Why, it's Hollywood's Betty Gilpin. <laughs> she's brought us Starbucks. I could fuck up a frap right now. Why would you mention that to me? I haven't eaten yet. I'm mad at you. Okay. Perhaps they have uh, perhaps they have fraps at Barb's Corner Kitchen. Mm. So Betty Gilpin is, <laughs> is not here, but we have been here for 19 minutes the and way, have not discussed this yet. The way you said Betty Gilpin is not here makes it imply that Betty Gilpin is like standing behind us, hiding in the closet, waiting to burst out at the end. Don't set me up like this. The I'm closet gonna is get open. It. You can see that she's not in there. I can't see the other side of the closet, Matt. It's not entirely open. Don't be pedantic. Thank you. Anyway, tell me about this. I got to thinking yes. what the closest pro wrestling approximation, and modern pro wrestling yes. approximation is of GLOW, yes. which is female-centric, crazy, vivid, to the point of cartoonish characters yes and just a sort of looney tune style disregard for how anything works in the rest of the in the rest of the world yes and i landed on this match okay because it showcases four really three very distinct personalities okay they're all extremely Colorful characters. Are you saying that the Iconics are one personality? I am. I would prefer they each have their own distinct personality, and then Asuka is all personality, and then that other woman has no personality. That's also a valid read of the situation. Let's break this down. Yes. This is a fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's Championship. That means that we have four people competing to pin one person. In this match. And the person who makes that pin becomes the new champion. Okay. So the champion does not have to get pinned for the championship to change hands. Got it. That means it's really every woman for themselves. Yes. Now, the four characters at play. You remember Asuka. I do. We talked about Asuka in a previous episode. You and I are both tremendous fans of Asuka. I love her so much. She's so good. What, you can nail your favorite Asuka line now. Nothing shines brighter than the sun. And of course, the sun is me. Asuka. <laughs> <laughs> it is a line that makes me laugh, but it is so good. And that sort of really... The sun is me. Yes. It's just the it's sun... Not even... I'm the sun. No, the no. sun is me. She's setting up a reveal at the end of the sentence. She's <laughs> yes. like, she, if she was just like, nothing shines brighter than the sun, and I'm the sun, you're like, okay, cool, that's a really dumb bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. The sun is me? Mm -hmm. She's changing the game. Ugh, her mind. Her power. There's, it's emblematic of a few things. One is this sort of insane, frankly insane, but also kind of justified level of self-confidence. I love her that, hubris. That Asuka has. She never is like, I could really lose this match, but I'm going to give it my all. Like, she's not that kind of person. She's like, no, I'm going to win again. Eat some of my rainbow hair as I choke you, <laughs> you freak bitches. 
Like, that's her vibe. Yeah. Asuka is our champion. She's been champion for 500 days. 500 American days and nights. Her power, truly. And she has decided that she's tired of defending her championship against one person at a time because it's too goddamn easy. She's essentially a neon animal print rainbow wood chipper. Yes. Ooh, I like that. And they've just been throwing these these poor young women into her for... A la Steve Buscemi. A la Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Really the Steve Buscemi of professional wrestling. And they've just been throwing... No, that wouldn't work. <laughs> She's the wood chipper of professional wrestling and then Steve Buscemi would, would lose to her. So the entire NXT women's division from like 2015 to 2017 yes. have been the Steve Buscemi of professional wrestling. The Steve Buscemi There embargo. we go. That's correct. Okay. And She's just been destroying these to the point that I don't know that we talked about the extent of her streak. We we talked about how long it was, but in the last episode, I don't know that we talked about some of the people who went down in flames at Asuka's feet. Talk to me. She beat Bailey. Okay. She beat. I don't like Bailey's ponytail. This you got, you got a problem with the side pony. I just I yeah, an adult woman with a pony sometimes bothers me. Like well, Bailey's Bailey's thing is kind of. She's like a giant little She's girl. She's like the grown Jojo Siwa, and Jojo Siwa gives me nightmares. It's like a Jojo Siwa in big situation. Yeah, but do you know that Jojo Siwa is like five foot nine? No. She's extremely tall. Or she might be taller than she might be six foot. Like she's <laughs> she's somewhat extremely tall. Somewhat because I don't know if she's extremely tall. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't know. Bailey is not gonna be someone where I'm like, yes, I dig this person. Tell me who else she's beat. She beat Nia Jax. Nia Jax is a woman who's like six feet tall. It's amazing. She's oh, beautiful. Um, she looks very tough all the time. She looks like she's always got like linebacker kind of outfits on. I'm like, yeah, bitch. You yeah. go for it. I love it. And Asuka kicked her so hard in the head that she collapsed into a pile of dust. Asuka is Thanos. <laughs> rules give Asuka the infinity gauntlet she would rock the shit out of that gauntlet it would look so good the rainbow colors it would look that's what I'm saying it the would gold look so it would match good. her belt it would look so good make this happen listen I tweeted at Mattel the other day I said Mattel I says Mattel I says yes you should have let me do it I have stock in Mattel from when I was little uh-huh. they would have had to listen to me as a stockholder Okay, so I need you to retweet the tweet I that I sent to Mattel, mm-hmm. which said, a pro a doughy pro wrestling insult comic dressed as a barbarian named Bobby the Brain He-Man. Make it happen, Mattel. <laughs> That's silly. <laughs> and I would like, I would very much like that to happen. Asuka also defeated Mickey James, who mm-hmm. was a very prestigious women's champion in the mid-2000s. She had been retired. They brought her back, essentially... To feed her entire retirement tour into the hungry jaws of Asuka. Okay. I think this is after her first clash with Ember Moon. Okay. And before Where her Ember second Moon clash. Where Ember Moon was hurt. Right. So Ember Moon seemed like the person who was maybe going to unseat Asuka. Mm-hmm. And not only did Asuka defeat her, she wrecked her shit to the point that she was injured. Yes. So. I remember that. Asuka is pretty much unassailable. In her position. She rules. And she has decided that in order to challenge herself, she's going to fight multiple people at a time. 
I love that for her. Yes. It makes, it totally tracks. Now, the people that she has chosen to defend against. But does she call them out like, I'm going to fight you and I'm going to fight you. I think the situation was Nikki Cross, who we'll talk about in a second, had earned an NXT championship match. Okay. And the Iconics had been making a lot of noise about how they also deserved an NXT championship match. I love them, and they do. And they decided... They and they deserve that. Then we have sort of a sub-beef going on between the Iconics and Nikki Cross. And Asuka, by way of resolving this, was like, I'll kill you all. I love it. I will kill you all without that, remorse. That's fantastic. I love that. Love her. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about Nikki Cross. Do we have to? We do. <laughs> She seems, next to Asuka and the Iconics, she seems very boring and truly very unrefined. Yeah. Is she a talker or is she just one of those kind of brutish characters that just comes out there and is like... Rah, 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 rah. No, she talks. She's Well, she's developed a voice later on. She I don't think she talked for is like, it like a, a year. Is it like a Kermit voice? You said a voice like in a way that was like, oh, is it like... A we- is it like a weird ethnic insultory kind of voice? Well, she's very Scottish. Oh, that's great. And love Scottish. But she's like very gaspy. G- is she Gatsby? Like she's always she, talking so about a green light in the always, eyes of Doctor Eckleberg. Like, she's always Gatsby? she's always hosting these lavish parties. <laughs> you meant to say Gatsby, right? Gatsby. It sounded like you said Gatsby, and I was like, is she always throwing T-shirts in a pool? <laughs> What is she doing out there? Nikki Cross is a Scottish lady who is clearly very angry. Yeah. And not just angry, feral, despite the fact that her eye makeup is always perfect. Her eyeliner is perfect. Which you don't see often in a post-apocalyptic cult, is what I'm saying. In my post-apocalyptic cult, everyone would have to have perfect (laughs) eyeliner at all times. It's part of my brand. So, Nikki Cross... What did you? What did He's you? He's maybe think? part of a cult, but clearly doesn't have the charisma to run a cult. The guy that they've chosen to be the leader of this cult also super doesn't have the charisma to run a cult. Because what we saw from what we saw from Eric Young there was pretty much all you ever see from Eric Young. So there's a bit of homework that I hope Matt will put in the episode notes yes. uh, that I watched, where you have the reveal of these people beating each other up, and then one unmasks, and it's Nikki Cross. Everyone's like, "Wow, it's a woman!" And then the other guy sort of looks. Um, he looks familiar. He looks like Chuck Liddell a bit. A little bit. He's a much bit. smaller. It's the hair. Um, he comes out, and then all four of these people on this stage stand, face the audience, spotlights shine on their faces as they're silently sort of heaving and, like, making grimacing gestures with their face, and the whole thing calls to mind the reveal of Bob from Twin Peaks. I am convinced that David Lynch came and directed the segment. It was deeply unsettling because they're just standing there sort of silently. It reminds me a lot of Twin Peaks The Return where you have those like Hiroshima bombed hobo characters just sort of like looking at you and like menacing. Anyway, these characters freaked me out. They look like they look like Hiroshima bombed hobos. They they kind of do. They look like dirty, um, wrong side of the tracks Lynch characters. Right. They're supposed to be, I think, like vaguely Mad Max ish. 
Yeah, I guess. But it's it's more denim than yeah. the average Mad Max character would be right. wearing. Well, none of them are Australian. They're also an they're also an international coterie, which is interesting. A coterie. Yeah. Say that again. Coterie. It's very cute when you say that. Eric Young is Canadian. Nikki Cross is Scottish. Is Scottish. Um Killian Dane we didn't see because he joined later. Killian Dane who's Irish. Okay. And then the other dude, uh, Axel Wolf is German. Axel Wolf is not a good name. It's too obvious. Sounds like a deodorant. <laughs> Axel Wolf, Wolf Axel is literally is legit a, be- a better name. I guess it's it's more distinct. Got more more sounds that you're making there. Wolf Axel. It doesn't flow as well, and therefore you have to put effort in saying it. Yeah. So I get. I think you're right. Axel Wolf is not a bad last name. You could be like Ooh. Terry Axel Wolf, and that would be a better Ooh, name. That's pretty cool. Well, not Terry. No wrestler should be Terry. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I agree with you. This, well, that's why Hulk Hogan is not Terry Bollea anymore. He changed his name because Terry is not a good name for a wrestler. Well, I'm sorry. Ter- Terry is my neighbor two houses down that burned well, down I his think, beach property I, for arson money. I think you're maybe forgetting about the great Terry Funk. Oh, I am, yes. I will fully Well, let that. me tell you, you egg-sucking dog. You don't forget about Terry Funk. God, I'm the people I'm going upstairs back to, I'm going in this back Airbnb to are going to be very upset. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. I cannot listen to this impression anymore. You miss the fact that I mentioned on this podcast my neighbor who burned down his vacation home for arson money, and his name was Terry. Mm. He still he still lives at his current property, which is two houses down from where my parents <laughs> he live. Still, he still lives. <laughs> At the burned husk of his beach home. <laughs> that's David. That's some David Lynch shit right there. Yeah. He he may look like uh, an atomically bombed hobo. Then like that weird gang of they're David called, Lynchian misfits. They're called Sanity. I really don't like that. And the thing is, they never really come together. Like, it never really makes sense what they're doing or trying to accomplish. Like They look like every time they come out to the ring, Headstrong should be... Playing. Like they look cheaply early two thousands light metal. It's rock. It's seether trapped. I didn't like it. That's not my vibe. Maybe maybe a little Creed esque even. Yeah. So you are not you are not meeting sanity with arms wide open. No, I'm not. You'd really just like them to Scott. I'd have stab it. <laughs> I'd happily <laughs> let them be Good my night, sacrifice everybody. in this match. <laughs> Let's talk about literally anything else. Okay, so let's keep talking to me about wrestling. Let's talk about... Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about Broadway again. Let's talk about the Iconics. Iconic! Iconic! I love them. They're very fun. The Iconics are incredible. They're they're what I want every Instagram influencer to be. Again, openly hubristic. Yes. Uh, confrontational. But, and they feel very authentic yeah, to me. Because they're very self-aware. They are. They're just good at, at shouting at people, which I love. They're their own reality show every time you watch yeah, them. Yeah, the thing about the Iconics that I love so much is that the performers are clearly in on the joke. Yes. So there's that, there's that element of it. Mm-hmm. The characters they're playing are so much fun, and the performers are clearly having so much fun playing these characters. It's infectious. It is. It's really, really joyous to watch them. 
They're very cute. Like, they just, they make me laugh. You go to journalism for that? <laughs> you gotta be joking me. <laughs> they're very quotable. Yes, they're constantly, they're constantly coming out with these malapropisms that don't make any sense. Like, the one, the big one that you said is, did you go to journalism for that? Which is what <laughs> they... I would get that on a t-shirt. Like, if the Iconics just put out a t-shirt of, like, plain black text on a white t-shirt that just says, you go to journalism for that? I would buy it and wear it. Then again, I'd wear, like, any t-shirt. Like, there's a t-shirt that's been in my Amazon wish list for, like, a year that just says, I simply love Tony Shalhoub. And I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, why haven't you bought it yet? Well, I've just been waiting to justify the purchase of a $24.99 t-shirt that says, <laughs> I simply love Tony Shalhoub. So the Iconics are iconic. They yep. picked well. They, they spell their name with two eyes. Like, yeah. No, three eyes, really. Two eyes in the beginning. Do we know why they do that? Is yeah. it because there are two of them? Well, back in the in the the early days, yes. in the, the long, long ago, in the before time. Yes. Actually, when we were watching them here, they weren't known as the Iconics. They were known as the Iconic Duo. Ah. And they were rebranded the iconics and the two eyes are supposed to be a a roman a roman numeral two okay that's what i just asked yeah. you if there were two of them yes the two eyes yes i, I just wanted to take you on a journey thanks <laughs> so we have peyton royce and billy k billy k and earlier i said they're kind of the same character, which is not necessarily true, but they're like two parts of the same character. Yeah. Because, especially in this match, because it's a fatal four-way match, and these two have no intention of ever competing against each other. I like that. So, these two have decided to attempt to win a singles championship as a team. I like the idea of that. So... In the lead up to this match, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce have decided that whoever wins this championship, they will both be champion. <laughs> they will share it. Yeah, why not? Because that's generally not how singles championships work. But are we are are we so committed to how Vince runs and chooses things that we can't shake it up? Listen, we live in a society. Despite <laughs> despite what Nikki Cross would have you believe. We live in a society. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with your choices here. I think they should just win and then just start beating everyone. It's two, it's two on one every time. Let these young bucks prove themselves against the Iconics. Young Doe's? Young Doe's. That's my, that's my rap name. Young Doe. <laughs> okay, so I think... I definitely don't want Nikki Cross to win. Asuka winning would be really fun for me to watch, mm -hmm. but I do love the Iconics very much, and I would also like them to win. Yeah, so let's talk uh, just a little bit about the dynamics between these characters, because okay. Asuka, we've talked about, has all the experience in the world, all the confidence in the world. and All the ability in the world. All the ability in the world, and she also has this second gear that she doesn't even always go into. Usually she's just a very competent, high-level performer. Uh -huh. But sometimes when she is pushed to a certain point, she kind of has this berserker rage. 
that's when she becomes very, very scary. Mm-hmm. And her eyes turn into fireballs and she starts screaming and you just feel like a very, very, I mean, you always feel like a small person, but even watching on television, (laughs) you feel yourself shrinking and you're like, oh, she's a very scary lady. Yeah. And that's something that's in Asuka's repertoire. She should be a registered weapon. Yeah, absolutely. A lethal weapon. I don't want her anywhere near Mel Gibson. Thank you so much. Are you sure? You don't want Asuka to kill Mel Gibson? <laughs> I don't think he deserves to be in the same room as her. Well, you don't want Mel Gibson's blood all over Asuka's nice <laughs> rainbow that's animal the, print That's what I'm saying. Gear. He doesn't deserve to be killed by her. Let that Scottish chick kill him. Oh, and, and then maybe they would feel like a fully Mad Max thing. Yeah, do that. I don't I don't need Asuka to waste her time on this. She's got she's got other things to do. She's got to, you know, she's got to power uh, some solar panels. Yes. <laughs> So that's Asuka. She's super confident, super talented, and she has this ability when she's pushed to go to this place of, like, psychotic super violence. Mm-hmm. Now, Nikki Cross is all psychotic super violence all the time. That's the thing. There's no charm. Right. She doesn't have a, she doesn't have a low gear. Like, if, if Patrick Bateman just started killing everyone but didn't show you his business card at the beginning. Right. That would just be It'd like... It would be a really boring movie. That would just be Halloween. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you have the Iconics, who don't have the same propensity for violence. No. They are cunning and yes. crafty. They're good wrestlers. I think they're mostly just here to have a good time. <laughs> I take it that they're professionals, but like... I feel like they just want to have fun and make it a fun time for everyone, including themselves, which means then that they want to win. Yes. I mean, when we saw them, we saw the Iconics win the Women's Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania, and they did so in a crafty way. Yes. Remember, uh, Bailey, I think, was on the top rope, and they shoved her out of the ring and rolled in, and they took this opportunity. So they're very crafty. Yes. They're smart wrestlers. You can see how a match between Asuka and Nikki Cross would be extremely violent. Yeah. And very intense. Yeah. And it seems like the Iconics maybe <laughs> It's like asking schoolyard children to break up a fight between a tiger and a lion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, these two forces of nature are sort of going at it, and then you have these other two on the outside who kind of have to elbow their way in mm-hmm. and try to somehow gain control of this situation. Yes. So that's going to be the challenge for the Iconics. But also, they have the advantage of there being two of them. They do. So if Asuka can manage to disable Nikki Cross for a minute, the Iconics could pounce on Asuka and do a lot of damage and then make their way over to Nikki Cross and do even more damage. So yeah. if they are smart about this and they play their cards well, then perhaps the numbers game will win out. Okay. Right? Yes. So we have Asuka with the experience, the momentum, the skill. We have Nikki Cross with the brute strength, the sort of merciless attitude, yes. and the absolute lack of fear because... yeah. Even more so than Asuka, you can't intimidate Nikki Cross because she seems to have no higher reasoning. <laughs> Asuka can make a can make a value judgment. You know, she can think about would it be wise to do this right mm-hmm. now? 
whereas Nikki Cross does not have that ability. Okay. And then you have the Iconics, who are sort of all. It's almost it's almost a Freudian match, right? With Asuka as the ego. Okay. And Nikki Cross as the id, and the Iconics as the super ego. Ooh, very astute of you. Thank you. This has been the Fraser Crane podcast. <laughs> but they're all operating on different levels. Yes. But now they're being asked to all operate on sa- on different levels in the same contest. This is what interests me about wrestling because you do wind up with these very so you have someone like like the War Raiders and it's this very intense I'm sorry, do you mean the Viking experience? I don't want to even talk I'm about I'm sorry, that. do you mean the Viking Warriors? I don't want to talk about that. That's terrible. They <laughs> they need to stick with one name for one week or make it a self-aware joke. So anyway, you have people like the War Raiders and Nikki Cross who have this very dark energy that comes from the 90s, Undertaker-ish, like, comes from the fan base being metal fans, like, whatever it is. Yes. You have that energy. And then you have Asuka. And Asuka is marketed in an entirely different energy. And then you have the Iconics, which is marketed towards an entirely different demographic. And so maybe you put the Iconics up against, like, like Bailey. And uh-huh. Sasha Banks, right? That's her tag team partner. Yes. So, like, that's going to be a very bubblegummy, poppy, pink, everything kind of match. And they're going to fight in probably ways that feel compatible. Right. And it's going to be a storyline that a certain demographic can watch and yes. enjoy. Like, maybe, you know, young adult women or whatever. Right. I really like that one. Then you have, like, if Nikki Cross was beating the shit out of, like, the War Raiders or something like that, or Nikki Cross and, like, Shayna Baszler, who also seems very tough, rough and tumble, yes. darker energy, that's going to be a certain kind of match with a certain kind of, like, music playing and the visuals are going to be synced. Right. But what interests me is when you put these people together who have nothing really in common in terms of fighting styles, visual aesthetics, personalities, and... my marketing brain is like, how the hell do you market this? And like, how do you design the, the sets or the, the led displays for this? Like that interests me very much. So I'm, I'm very curious to see this match and see how they intersect. And if it makes cohesive sense, or if it just looks like you're throwing, you know, a bubblegum ice cream into a (laughs) stew mix. (laughs) We're, we're, we're mixing savory and sweet, which can work. It can yeah. work, but this this might be like chocolate covered pretzels, or this might be bubblegum ice cream in a stew mix. I think I think you're you're making a very good observation, and I think the answer to your question is how do you market this? You essentially create this, and, and then you just like people well, will. you just point at it like what the fuck, right? <laughs> 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 like you want to see what the fuck happens now, right? Yeah, and I kind of do. So I mean, it did it did work, but you know, a wrestling fan is watching it for like, I want to see these fighting styles combine, and I'm like, well, styles I make wanna, fights. I'm like, I want to know what the social like the social media posts look like for this match. Like that's where I am as a as a marketing creative type person. Well, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons that I enjoy watching wrestling with you so much is because you ha- you come from this place of being interested in the creation and marketing of these personalities the optics are huge for me like the the behind the scenes right, efforts like, and choices are what right, like we were, far more than the matches honestly right, right so we were talking we were talking yesterday about taylor swift 
Yes. Right, and the oh, like I have the, a lot of thoughts about this right, new right, album. and the machine and the machine behind Taylor Swift. So you have four different or three different machines going behind these women here. You know, yeah. three very different images that are being produced and then you know set into direct confrontation with each other. We've got the champion in Oscar. We have the physical threat in Nikki Cross, and we have essentially the wild card in the Iconics mm-hmm. who can maybe tip the scales one way or another, or they could potentially... Or what if the Iconics explode? What if one of them decides they want to be the one, you know, even though they say they're both going to be champion, one of them is going to be officially the champion. Okay. So what if one of them decides they have put more work in during the match and they're the one who deserves to go for the pin? I hope that's not the case. It could be, though. I hope it's not. Me too. I love the Iconics. The Iconics should never break up. Okay, so do you have any other thoughts about Asuka, about Nikki Cross, about the Iconics? Nikki Cross bores me. Start the match. (laughs) Okay, so we're watching uh, a fatal four-way match for the NXT Women's Championship from NXT TakeOver San Antonio. So we're going to start watching in three, two, one, and go. So Nikki Cross... Is out first. Ugh. She's got all this this smoke. It's really dark in there. It's got this very very dark strobe lighting. She steps out of the smoke. She's wearing. She is doing some like J T Leroy drag. Um, shout out to the literary fans of listening to this podcast for my J T Leroy joke. See, I like like I like her outfit. I don't like her bandana across her face. Uh, it doesn't match. No, she just needs, like, a cool leather jacket and to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, there... Put some cool rings on. She kind of feels purge-ish? Yeah, maybe. It's, there's, it's a very dark energy. It's dark-sided. Yeah, it's dark, but it's not very well-defined, which it's is part of the problem topic, I have. It's what Hot Topic used to look like when the store was always painted black. Look at Nikki Cross here in the in the background. There's a tiny... There's a tiny... <laughs> so, the, the feed has cut to the Nikki announcers. Cross. Yeah, we've... The feed had cut to the announcers talking, and you could see in the background, in the ring, like a hundred yards away, a very tiny Nikki see, Cross. Her fa- like, I have to assume that her fan base, and not to necessarily insult her fan base, but maybe her fan base is like, horse girls gone goth. <laughs> There's an outsider energy that you feel. There's an, um, There's a very deep well of emotions. That She kind of feels like Sheila the She-Wolf, huh? Yeah. Speaking of glow. Yeah. But Sheila, again, has a as a more specific aesthetic. Yeah, there's nothing specific about Nikki Cross, which I think is the problem. Right, so the Iconics are coming out, Peyton's coming out, and she's got this cool blue and green. Oh, we're seeing OG Iconics outfits here. So they were they were originally brought into NXT not as a team, and which is why they don't have sort of matching gear. So we have one Maleficent style outfit. That's Billy Kay. With a sort of a feathery cape a coming out. A trailing diaphanous cape. And a trail. And then you have Peyton dressed up like Britney Spears in the I'm a sleeve for you era where she like has the snake. She did the award show performance with the snake. Yep. And that's very much that outfit. I have to say, I like these outfits. I would only wear Billy's because it's a like a turquoise velvet. Yeah, that would that would look good on you. It would. 
it's what I wear a lot. It's like a twenty foot cape, also. Yeah, well, I would wear I would wear a cape. I would look good in a cape. So, and they're doing like a fun. They're like bending over the ring, doing a little kind of striptease action. Yeah, yeah this is hyper feminine. So this is one thousand percent contrast to what we saw from Nikki Cross. But you have yeah, but it's interesting that they didn't pick. And I'm wondering if this is foreshadowing, because I don't know how this match turns out. You know, you have one doing a darker Slytherin-style energy, and then the other is doing a early 2000s pop star energy. So they don't... They're not here looking like the same person. And if they said that they wanted to stick together as a team, you would think that they would have had complementary outfits. Right. And they don't. Now Asuka's coming out with her, like, sun god face. Yes, and she's got this wall of lights. Above. And, and she's got one of her amazing kimono-style outfits, and she's got her mask on, and she's just, like, reveling in the attention. Mm-hmm. and doing these cool dances where she's got her hands out like posh spice doing like those gestures. It's, it's fun to think of her. It's (laughs) the, the, the iconics giving Asuka a a stink eye, but Asuka is interesting to think of as sort of a midpoint between the two extremes that we just saw. Yeah. There's, there's a, not a dark energy, but there's the energy of like a bit of violence. Oh, absolutely. There's an edge to Asuka. And, but she is very colorful. Mm hmm. She's, she's, she's feminine and, uh, showy, somewhat ostentatious, although not to the degree of the iconic. She's not wearing, she's taking off her mask. She's not wearing opera gloves, for example. No. Oh, there's, there's a guy in the Oscar mask. And Nikki Cross is just like, I'm not abused by this. Focused, and everyone's focused on Oscar, of course, because she is. Oscar is a goddamn star. I would be focused on Oscar too, and I really enjoy the iconics, but. Asuka is so dynamic. I mean, her whole outfit is discordant looking, so she just, like, she draws your eye at every second mm-hmm. because she's got two-tone hair, two-tone boots. Her outfit is just, like, a cacophony of colors. It looks like you're, like those blankets your grandma would make when she just has a bunch of leftover yarn. And it's just like, oh, all these colors are going to go together. I like how Nikki Cross is just sort of, squatting there like watching this and she completely blends into the background because she's just in black and she's just like the iconics are still holding hands (laughs) yeah and they're freaked out by her because she's like thrashing her jacket around i don't like her you think that i would like someone who's kind of punky but i just don't okay they're they're sort of starting (laughs) the iconics have stepped forward holding hands and they're like they're doing, like, the Charlie's Angels, like, touching each other's palms they, to, like, make sure that they're still there. They're linking arms. They look like the kids from oh, Jurassic they Park. Ju- they just jumped out of the ring. Th- that energy in that sequence where the Iconics were sort of trapped between Asuka and Nikki Cross, it felt like the kids in Jurassic Park surrounded by Velociraptors. Yeah, I agree with you. That definitely works. Okay, so you've got Asuka and Nikki Cross doing this sort of, like, they're boxing facing style, Ooh. circling around. Asuka's already doing some... With a with Some a roll, somersaults and they're not even really touching each other yet. All of it. Okay, now okay, so now yeah. the iconics are gonna each take one. Yes, that's that's the idea. So they've waited for their opportunity, and that the each first one beat one right at their first available opportunity, they have attacked. So they've 
hung Nikki Cross up on the ropes, and now they're going to try to double-team Asuka. And what's visually interesting is that Peyton took Asuka, and they're the two in bright colors, and then Billy had taken Nikki, and they're the ones in the darker color. So it really does look like they were just like, oh, okay, let's get the bubblegummy ones against the tough ones. Yep. And what happened was they managed to, to hang up Nikki for one second and attempted to double-team Asuka, and Asuka destroyed them both fairly effortlessly. Yeah, of course. So it seems like the Iconics' first plan, which is, we'll each take one, did not work. <laughs> so... All right, now they're... So we've got... Okay, so now all four of them are back in the ring, and you've got Peyton holding Nikki back so Billy can just punch her right in the boob her face, yep. and then Asuka is now going for Peyton. Oh, they're doing a human centipede kind of thing right now, where Peyton is <laughs> grabbing onto the ring, or grabbing onto the ropes. Oh, and they just, all three of them did, that's not a Tower of Doom, what is that? That's a double German suplex. Double German suplex. It was the three of them, and they all pulled back yeah. and landed on so the backs. So, Asuka was attempting to suplex Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay came to try to prevent this from happening, and Asuka wound up grabbing both of them and throwing both of them over her head, onto their head and neck at yes. the same time. It looked really cool. Now you have Asuka and Nikki again, oh! and they're just hitting each other. They're just going for the face. They're was, just like grabbing each other's hair. Yeah. They're going for the face. They're trying to slap each other and pull. And... There was a nasty looking headbutt from Nikki Cross. Yeah, it did not look pretty. Get her, Asuka. There we go. Asuka's got Asuka. her. And oh! Thro- Ooh, she One, landed. One, two. Oh. And she went for a, okay. a German suplex and held it for a bridge. Nikki kicked out. Oh. Okay. She's tried to keep the Iconics out of the ring. Yeah, they tried they, to interfere they, again and failed. She just shoved them off of the ropes, trying to climb back into the ring. She's like, no, I want this bitch. Ooh. This is my choice. Oh, my God. Asuka is truly like a video game character. I, she just is not human. She's and then, so tough. Oh, oh! Ooh! What is that move? Uh, that was a straight jacket neck breaker. I've got, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That was really interesting. Yep, and... Asuka has finally had her momentum halted. Yeah, well, that was a very intense move to land on. Yep, and now... Oh, she's doing something similar, yep. I guess. Oh. So Nikki Cross has now apparently, despite the fact that we talked about her being having no higher reasoning function, she seems to know enough to target Asuka's head and neck because she definitely has... She's gone nuts and she's attacking the ring itself now, apparently because she was hoping to get that pin and... Ooh, and she just tried to do a jump and landed on her face outside of the ring. Asuka yeah. is coming out of the ring, trying to kick Ooh. her. Ooh. And that backfired because now Asuka has been sort of swept on the leg and pulled down and she hit her face. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Tell everyone what this is. This is a... Oh! Oh, that was really cool. That was a a corkscrew neck breaker. Out of the ring onto the ground. Yeah, so... Now the ref is checking to see if Asuka's okay because she's not moving. Once again... Uh, monstrous damage to the head and neck from Nikki Cross to Asuka. So now, Nikki Cross seems to be targeting the Iconics. Yeah. Well, she's like, I could leave Asuka for all, which is stupid, because I feel like if you turn around, Asuka's going to disappear like a horror movie character. Like, (laughs) where did he go? Oh, he's in the sequel. (laughs) He's been in the sequel the whole time. So Nikki Cross just climbed up on the top rope and managed to wipe out both the both of the iconics with a high cross body. So Nikki Cross looks like a combination of 
sort of me without makeup and like all of my cousins on my mom's <laughs> side of the family. It's a weird thing. Like she looks incredibly familiar and similar. She looks like maybe a uh and Jenna Malone. I, I was gonna say maybe like a very uh very stout little Allison Bree. Like a fire plug, <laughs> a fire pluggy. Different, I mean, difference in differences in the face. Well, all right, Oscar's starting to recover. The Iconics are wailing on Nikki Cross. They're like out of the. They're they're not even in the like. The cameras are just walking around, following them. Yeah, so that's this is a fatal four way match, which is a no disqualification by definition. So so you can go out of the. I mean, Correct. it's not like you can't go into the audience necessarily, right? Like, the, there are the matches where you can go in the audience. Well, the match has to end in the ring. Okay. But you so can't be like counted out. there's, one rule, kind right. of. So the, but for now, they can just sort of hang out and, like, right. so the, walk around the stadium. So the, the argument is the first person to pin or submit another person wins the championship. So if one person is out of the ring for 10 seconds, then they can't lose the match for other people. That wouldn't make sense. So the match can only end on pinfall or submission. Got it. So you have Nikki was trying to stand up in the announcer booth. Uh, the Iconics followed her there. They got her on the ground. And they're just using the announcer booth to beat her, basically. They're like going to probably slam her face into it, I guess. I don't know what they're doing. So it looks oh like. Oh my god, oh no, this doesn't seem like a good idea. So they've got her up on the announce table, and a double suplex, and they throw her. Off the side of the announcer booth. And it looks like she broke a table. She did. Next to the announcer booth, and she's just laying dead. Okay. Yep. And look at. <laughs> and they're like very excited that they got this coup of, of you know, paralyzing a woman. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that they're so excited. And they're excited in a way that's very childlike yeah you, you were you're and now they're holding hands and running to the ring they're so cute your impression of this being a lion and a tiger fighting and schoolyard children trying to break them up was entirely correct all right now the iconics are going for asuka they picked her up they tossed her into the ring she's still like not even on her feet yeah probably they should have had a doctor checking on her because she was apparently unable to move for, for... like multiple minutes yeah yep. they were circling oh. her oh Ooh, they just kicked her in the face and then dropped her um one two, two and and oscar kicks out and, and they can't believe it yeah they they're not happy about that yeah that was a that was an incredible maneuver by the way they had her in like a floating half nelson hold they had her in the way that like steve martin has burned at peters in the jerk you know, where they're, like, dancing, yes, dancing yes. like that. In the like, discotheque exactly, scene in the Yeah, jerk. that's exactly the move where her legs were wrapped around him and, and she then, was, like, facing out. And, and she caught a knee strike to the they, temple. Yeah. yeah. So, instead of following up, though, they're basically, they they seem to be feeling the pressure. Like, they don't know what to do. They're like, taking a minute to confer. They're just, like, standing there talking and, like, yep. trying to work out a strategy. And and they're holding hands with Billy Kay's like, we've got this. The two of us together, we've got this. And we're... Asuka's still... Yeah, the thing is that Asuka is really weak right now because she's still... Like, she still couldn't get up. They're... You know, oh! Ooh! <laughs> Asuka's, uh, okay, Asuka's up now. Oh, now so... Asuka's up. She's kicking. I mean, she's really wonky on her feet, but, like, she's getting up. Oh! Ooh. And another... Another 
neckbreaker, a different style neckbreaker from Peyton like Royce. And look at that. She just bridged up out of that. Yeah, because Asuka is probably saving her strength to kick out. Yep. And it seems like she's she's using her strength right now in defensive moves, not and, offensive moves. And look at the the anguish and confusion on Peyton Royce's face because not only does she not know what to do from this point, Billy Kay is also out of the match. She she just took a horrifying kick right to the head from Asuka and she's out of the ring. So Peyton Royce doesn't know what to do and her partner is gone. Yeah. So she's just this is see this is an unexpected turn. We assume like the way you were talking. Oh! Ooh, and Oscar just kicked Peyton in the face. Oh, Billy's back though. And also and takes a kick to the head. In the head again. And another kick this time to Peyton Royce. Let's just see Oscar's going for sort of one, two, two three. Wow, Oscar just won. She did. Oh, and she's very excited. She's she's not surprised, or she is surprised. She actually she's not doing the oh of course I won. She's like barely get able to get up. She's trying to just. Well, she took a a lot of That's damage what I'm in this it, match. It's this was actually a harder fought win for her, so it does feel a little more deserved. Is Nikki Cross dead? Nikki <laughs> Cross is still laying on that like that broken split table. Asuka is having such a hard time getting to her feet to like celebrate, and she's clearly breathing heavily. She's grabbing onto the ropes for support. This is not the usual Asuka just circle victory lap that True. we see. This is very, she's like stumbling a lot and catching her breath. And yeah. yet. Oh, she looks like nauseous a little bit. And yet, and we're going to see some some replays here. Okay. So first, the first highlight we're seeing is this double suplex from the Iconics that to Nikki beautiful. Cross. I, did Nikki Cross get injured after this? No. It actually, I'm amazed. It actually doesn't hurt at all to go through a table because it breaks your fall. That was very... See, yeah. So that move where Asuka was dropped onto her knees, like, she could have broken a knee through that. I mean, she could have yep. shattered. Shattered her patella? <laughs> her patella, yeah. And then, I love that... Just to... Oh! <laughs> and... The thing with Asuka is we're just seeing now the final flurry of this match where the Iconics were sort of just standing next to Asuka. And Asuka can hit you with these murderous kicks with the same effort it takes a normal person to punch you. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. They were sort of just grabbing at yeah, her. She's like goose-stepping out of the... Yeah. Out of the ring. And they're, they're checking on Nikki Cross, the refs. Yep. And even though Asuka took all this punishment in this match... She's the only one who can still move. And look at that. Nikki Cross, though, is doing still... doing the, like, you haven't seen the last of me. <laughs> exactly. Like Nikki. I'm glad because, she's out of this for the most part. Because, I mean... And that's, that's the end of the match. Yes. But, to be fair, very little was settled between Nikki and Asuka. That's true. Did they wind up doing some kind of rematch? They did. Because, I mean, think about think about this. Asuka and Nikki were the two physical forces mm -hmm. in, this, in this fight. And the big selling point was, we want to see these two forces collide with each other. Yeah. And there's also this crazy variable of the Iconics. And we actually saw very little of Nikki and Asuka. And what we did see 
looked like Nikki maybe had Asuka's number because she was the one yeah. who put her out for several minutes. Yeah. And then the Iconics managed to sort of swarm Nikki. Of that. Yeah, and they, they swarm Nikki and maybe spent a little too much time attacking Nikki and disabling her. And then by the time they got back to the ring, Asuka had recovered enough yeah. that she was able to just sort of destroy them. <laughs> but the question this match raises then is what happens when you have Nikki Cross and Asuka head-to-head with no one else interfering. You know, in a vacuum, who wins? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what this match sets up. And it was also a fun little spotlight for the Iconics to show what they could do. I agree. So, what did you you think of the match? Uh, It was a lot shorter than I expected. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, shit, it's over. Um, I don't know, how long was it, do you think? Uh, Maybe 15 minutes. Okay, it, felt, it was a sprint. It felt like six minutes. I, you know, I probably would have watched it, you know, for if it was 20, 25 minutes without necessarily getting bored. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Nikki needed to be there after all, just, just to have another balancing element there because I feel like Asuka and the Iconics would have just been this weird flurry of color. It might have been too easy. It would have been, been like yeah. feeding the two children from Jurassic Park to a Velociraptor. Yeah, it, it would have been too easy, so Nikki was required, even though she was taken out. But then I had fun watching an Asuka with a sort of crutch of she's, you know, she's kind of injured fighting the Iconics because then it felt like more of a peer-to-peer match, right. honestly. If it was Asuka in full form, she would have just been like, she would knowing her, she probably would have just bonked their heads together and would have been <laughs> like, that's it, I win, I'm Asuka. So this was actually a hard-fought victory for Asuka, which I appreciated because I feel like I, even like the Ember Moon match, like it wasn't, I don't know, maybe if I go listen again, I'll be like, oh yeah, it was a little harder fought. But this, she really was taken out. It seemed like she was surprised that she was taken out by these women to some extent. Right. The Ember Moon match was very much a, like a highly competitive match between equals. Yeah. That's the way that felt. Uh, with Ember Moon obviously being the hungrier of the two. Yeah. With but it something could have more gone to prove. either way. Right. But this was definitely a thing where Asuka felt like she was fighting from underneath, which is yeah. very uncommon for her. She's never an underdog. And I'm glad you showed, I think you probably picked that for me for that reason. Yeah, I picked that for you for that reason. And also because I know you're a big Asuka fan. Yes. And I felt that it I'm would be. I'm also a big Iconics fan. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 great. I did not get into Nikki Cross. <laughs> I kind of like Nikki Cross. I think she's fun. She's not. She doesn't have as much dimension as the others, but I I do enjoy. Nikki no Cross. part of that dark energy of wrestling appeals to me. I've learned the War Raiders slash the Viking Experience slash the Viking Warriors doesn't appeal to me. Valter is not really someone that I I fucking I love. Valter, like I get it, but it's this dark like. Durmstrong yes. like, versus Hogwarts kind of thing. Um, he really does remind me of a grown-up Augustus Gloop, <laughs> which I, I find Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to be one of the darkest movies I've ever seen. It haunts me. Mm-hmm. Um, it truly haunts me. The The cave scene is like yes. absolutely what my nightmares are made of. Uh, so any of the dark energies in wrestling really don't appeal to me. That like heavy 
gothic metal hot topics sort from 2000 children of the undertaker yeah yeah like the undertaker probably i would not have been interested in except for the fact that he looks exactly like Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. that's the only thing that interests me about and him. you've got you've got a similar beef with alistair black again who doesn't interest me yeah ricochet i thought was really fun mm-hmm. like i enjoy him i enjoy the Velveteen Dream. I enjoy Rick Rude. Like I, I've enjoyed these kinds of eighties adjacent characters. I do love the neon. I love the pomp and circumstance. The sort of rather than the children of the Undertaker, I, I tend to gravitate toward the children of Randy Savage. Yeah, I get that, and I so do I. I. I find those characters to be more fun. I like characters that are more verbal, and their their personality rests on them being good speakers and. You know, good improvisers, good actors. I even like I like Dolph Ziggler, but that's probably mostly a physical <laughs> attraction thing. Those are the people I like. Um, I even like I really enjoyed watching Rhonda at WrestleMania, and she she's, you know, she's sort of she's sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Where like yeah, she wears black, and you know, she's like angry, and she's got that energy, but she's not, she's not Shayna Baszler, her friend, who has right. who's in more of that metal darker camp right Um, and that's the middle ground like becky lynch also is in that sort of middle middle ground ground. and i enjoy i enjoyed watching that match i also if they had put like a nikki cross type in that match i would have been like uh like it's probably more intense to watch and probably more exciting than if they had put charlotte in but Mm -hmm. it might have been too it might have muted it down in a way so yes so do we do we have any other thoughts about the match? Any other thoughts about our participants? I don't think so. Great. <laughs> you want to get breakfast? I do. This has been another episode of I Hate Wrestling. I want to thank my guest, Tara. Thank you. Hello. Um, I want to thank... Uh, Corinne Dudenhoff for designing my logo. Corinne I just got a job as the uh, in-house graphic designer for World Cafe Live in Philly, and I'm very, very proud of her. Great job, Corinne. I helped get her that job. I know you did. I'm very excited about that. I want to thank the Novas, and what have you done for them lately, for the use of my theme song, <laughs> The Crusher. <laughs> um, I would like to humbly ask you, dear listener, to... Rate, review, subscribe, comment on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Visit me at uh, I Hate Wrestling on Facebook and on Instagram and at IHWPod on Twitter. And also visit my official website at IHWPod.com. Tara. Would you like to plug anything today? Sure. Uh, my Instagram is at Tara G.I. You can follow me there. Uh, I mostly just post movies I like watching and various commentary on dogs I see on the street, which is always fun for me and hopefully for you. Um, my friend Dan came out with a podcast that I've been listening to called Spook Squad. It's all about horror movies and extreme cinema. He, like Matt, is a wonderful speaker, a wonderful person, and he's just very passionate and excited to tell you all about anything from Hellboy to a bunch of movies that I'll be too much of a weenie to see. Um, but definitely check that out. I've been really enjoying it. You're and a weenie. I think that's it. I am a weenie. Don't a say weenie. the weenie word. I'm a little bit of a weenie. You're I'm a like, cocktail weenie? I'm like tough, but like I'm a weenie about some things. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little. You're a cocktail weenie. Sure, I'm a cocktail weenie. That's nice. <laughs>
It's all via fuck, Tony. Okay, do you, do you need me to be a wrestling character? I do. I need you to be a wrestling okay. character. My wrestling character is Dr. Fraser Payne. <laughs> I'm listening to the sounds of your bones breaking in your body. <laughs> uh, B plus. B plus. <laughs> Would I have been an A if I was Niles Payne? Yes. And my finishing move is Hello Maris. <laughs> Niles stomps you to death with his big shoes. You love big <laughs> shoes too much. It never feels like she's setting herself up for a fall because I don't know what that noise is. Is there a little woodpecker? A little woodpecker hanging out? It probably is uh, somebody very small in the wall. Oh, I love that. Hello. I'm little too. Hi. Okay, so Asuka 